Okay, so first storage deal was ground up construction. And it's one I did all on my own, which, you know, having learned what I know now, maybe was a mistake. But at the time, it was good because it stretched me and I grew with the asset. So I scraped together, you know, 300 grand for the land and some plans. But then the bigger barrier of entry was actually the banks. So I went from bank to bank to bank in my small town, St. George, Utah. And finally, after about a dozen plus banks, I went to three different branches of the same bank and someone took a chance on me. No matter what your situation is out there, you can always look for that competitive advantage. We don't wanna be the people that have a competitive advantage because of the moving company. We wanna have a competitive advantage because of how we operate. Welcome everybody to Self Storage Income and we are on site today at Self Storage Income Live, our event. And I've got here with me Ben, who Ben has got a great, well-rounded experience in self-storage because of not just the storage, but complementary businesses to everything from finance structures with zero money down to doing conversions. And we're going to talk about pitfalls. We're going to talk about struggles, these side businesses, and just his overall experience. Um, and I think, you know, it's that you know, Ben, really that array of experience and inputs that, that give you such a unique view of the business. Because you started, did you start in moving? Was that your first company you started? Yeah, absolutely. Started with just a service business and fell in love with real estate. You know, uh, I did frat houses renting out by the room. Yeah. So I, I learned real estate, you know, the appreciation, the cash flow. And at the same time, I'm getting leads from my moving company, customers calling in and saying, Hey, can you move us? We've heard you're great. Sure. Can you store our stuff? Well, we can't, but we can refer you to someone. Yeah. And so I realized that I had all the money I was leaving on the table as far as lead generation and a way I could do real estate in a commercial asset. Yeah. And now, first of all, what, what got you into that? Was it just early on you wanted to be, was that something you were interested in? Well, no one wants to be a mover when they grow up. But we did, I did some projects for my grandma who basically she couldn't find a good mover in town. And so she said, Hey, I want you to help my clients. And so we found that this service was just high demand. And yeah. so, uh, I played sports growing up, so I couldn't hold down a real job, but this side hustle was kind of what put me through high school and then college. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And that led you to obviously commercial and do you still have your moving business today? Yes. Yep. The moving business is scaling alongside, um, you know, the moving business, there's more parts so we can only scale so fast. But one thing I love about storage is it's, it's outpacing the moving company as far as how fast you can scale the options you can do things like that. Awesome. Well, now let's go dive into here. First storage project that you did. Tell me about it. Okay. So first storage deal was ground up construction and it's one I did all on my own, which, you know, having learned what I know now, maybe was a mistake, but at the time it was good because it stretched me and I grew with the asset. So I bootstrapped money from the moving company to buy land, which was obstacle number one. So I scraped together, you know, 300 grand for, the land and some plans. But then the bigger barrier of entry was actually the banks. So I'd never done a deal before. I didn't know about, you know, seller financing or all the tools we have now. 
So I went from bank to bank to bank in my small town, St. George, Utah. And finally, after about a dozen plus banks, the third banker at a different branch of, I went to three different branches of the same bank and someone took a chance on me. So just a little bit of persistence getting through that barrier of entry and, you know, learning from the last banker who rejected me what they needed to see really pushed me through to where I could do that first construction project. Now, was the land already approved when you bought it? It was industrial land. Okay. Yeah. All right. And one thing about it is it was, it is a poor location, but because of our lead generation, we can drive the highest rates in town in a bad location. So it's something that has gone really well. I call it my guinea pig because we just did a little bit of everything. And uh, we we worked hard. We got fortunate. It was it's been a success. But now I feel like after that deal, I have so many more tools. And it wasn't till after that deal that I was your student and a part of the inner circle. That's when I started really deciding. Okay, not only is this something I'm going to do one deal every three years, but I want to do a series of deals every year and bring on partners. That's awesome. Yeah. Now. The moving company is, well, that was a big competitive advantage, right? Yes. And you just, as a lot of people know today, um, we're finally in a market where we're competing for customers, which we haven't been in a market like that for a long time. So those types of competitive advantages really are beneficial. And especially when ad spend is crazy, uh, you know, it it costs so much to acquire those leads. It's like you have your own marketing that not only doesn't cost you money, it pays you money, right? which is amazing. And so when you took this competitive advantage you had, that that offset that what you said, maybe a poorer location, but you're like, it doesn't matter because I can still get the people moving in, which that's what matters. That's especially why a good location is important. On your next site, what were your thoughts? Like, what, what were you thinking from there? It was like, okay, we want to do a better location or was it, no, we can actually get cheaper ground, move people in, like, what was your thought process on the next one? Well, the next one, I was really just trying to push that barrier of entry. Um, it was times had changed, right? Because I picked up the first piece in 19, 2019, and now we're looking at, you know, 2021, yeah. which is very, very competitive. So we got a little creative on the second one and it was the first time I partnered up, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I decided, hey, we're going with this, the syndication model where, you know, that's when I was getting instructed by you in the inner circle. Yeah. And the second one was actually a conversion project where we bought two warehouses and uh, the parcel, there's a big parking lot area. And we set out to basically do a big 90,000 square foot conversion project. Yes. So it's been eventful. Um, I'll, I'll say this about conversions, you know, for those listening that see all the fun videos of the Kmarts, mm-hmm. it's not as glamorous as it seems. I would say I've, I would feel a little bit more comfortable doing a second conversion where we're doing a smaller conversion, but largely that this project that's still underway kind of turned me off a little bit because you see uh, the upside, which is a little bit lower construction costs, but you don't know what surprises are out there. The architect bill is going to be double, right? You don't know about the roof, the, you know, all the things in due diligence you can find. But then even after that, there's some things you're going to find later. So we had to pivot pretty quick. And I think this, this goes to um, keeping your skills sharp, 
you know, we could have just taken a little bit of a, we could have put our heads down and not looked up, but we looked up and saw what was happening and we decided, okay, we're going to have to phase this. So we have a tenant that's renting out one of the warehouses. We're only phasing the first half. Okay. We're doing things like U-Hauls and we're renting to commercial tenants so that we can keep this asset healthy while we lease up on phase one. Okay. Um, you, you've hit on a couple things here that I think are really, really important. And one of the biggest things is conversions, right, is about solving problems and yes. figuring things out as you go because it isn't a blank slate. And a lot of people, uh, I think you're right, oversimplify it because they go, oh, it's already there. It's a box. We just put storage in it. Right. And it's actually more complicated than if you were to build from the ground up because you're having to fit something that's existing that is not new, may have lots of problems and issues, and you have to make the storage facility work within that as opposed to necessarily just building what you want and how it should look. And a lot of these items are really expensive. A lot of people go, oh, well, yeah, but I got this for cheap. And it's like, well, after you build everything, a lot of conversion projects are actually more expensive than it would have been if you built from the ground up. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do them, right? I'm not saying that. But understanding the reality of the situation, you have HVAC systems, you have all of this stuff, you you have all these problems that you're inheriting. Um, and it, it it's more complex for sure. Yeah, one of the things, just in a, a small example, is when you buy something, you assume that the city is already going to approve it, right? So we assume that this, if this warehouse is X amount of feet away from the power, this is a real life example. I, I was on a call before the conference this morning. We assume that because there's a warehouse, you know, six feet away from the power that our new warehouse, our new units are going to be grandfathered in. No, you have to go back to the city and get reapproved. Now I did get fortunate with the city this morning on my call where they, one of the most workable cities I've ever worked with. I've worked with a lot of unworkable cities, but the point is, is there's lots of surprises waiting for you. And I would compare it to like, we have our acquisitions where it's an already high valued masterpiece painting. We have our developments, which are, you know, blank canvases, we can go paint whatever we want. And we have conversions, which are like a jigsaw puzzle, which you have to piece together and there's a lot more to it. A lot more to it. We, you know, and this is the same thing even with our new conversion that we've got, which is the, uh, it was an old newspaper, five acres on freeway exit. And it was, how it was zoned and everything was approved for storage because they had to have a printing press in it. And so we're like, oh, this is easy, done. They can't say no. Yeah. Two years later, we finally got everything done and worked. And what we found was even though they couldn't say no, doesn't mean they wanted it. And they could <laughs> definitely make our life yes. uh, um, painful. And then we couldn't change certain things on the outside because they said, listen, you do anything. You touch that ass outside. We will not give you approvals. Will not. So then we're like, okay, we have all this land where we want to build storage on. And they're like, yeah, please, please touch that land because then we could deny you. And so then we're like, all right, we can't do that. So then we had to move portables on it which they can't say no because they're portables, right. but it's all of these things that we're, we're segmenting it out like you were doing all in phases where we, you, what you think we were getting wasn't a hundred percent what we were getting. Um, and everything, we had a whole room that was these, 
a huge space that we thought, oh, we'll just, we can use this. It was probably 5,000 square feet. And the cost of just getting the equipment out, it doesn't work, right? So it's a process as you're going through, oh, there's unlevel grounds here. It doesn't work. It's, it can be, uh, it can be a lot. I believe the word your your team used yesterday when I was talking to them was Frankenstein. Your That's Frankenstein. Right. It's the Frankenstein together. building. That's it. exactly how we feel about it. It's all like piecemealed over the ages and everything. Uh, so, which once again, that doesn't mean it wasn't a great opportunity. In fact, I I mean this is probably one of the best deals we've ever had and will ever even have. So it is hands down worth the effort. Um, but there's a few things that I think is really important like you mentioned that made it work. So you, your first project, you knew what your advantage would be. You said, I have a competitive advantage to get leads in with our, with our statesman project. It was, we can make this work because right when COVID happened and everything started to shut down, banks shut down. It was right when the financial markets were teetering on the bank was actually losing the, or the people that owned it were losing the property there's tons of buyers because it was so prime, but then they all walked away and we happened to get it. So our cost basis was so low into it, yeah. which everybody's upset about, including the buyers. Uh, but they, we thought the world at the time was over and we walked in told the bank, we'll, we'll take, take it off your hands. Uh, and that was a three month period of time. That was it. It was a three month windows, but our cost basis was so low. It made it worth it. If that same property that we got buildings and everything, at four and a half million dollars, like today went to the market, it'd be something like 10 to 15 million, right? Yeah. So it would have never made sense other than that. So our competitive advantage is the fact that we got it at that low cost basis. If we would have paid 10, 12, 15 million, we would have no room to absorb changes and things. So it, there has to be a driving reason and competitive advantage because there's going to be more than you know. I think it's important you keep repeating competitive advantage, competitive advantage, because I think no matter what you, no matter what your situation is out there, you can always look for that competitive advantage. I don't want people to tune out just because they don't have a moving company, right? There's yeah. another way that you can gain a competitive advantage, right? It could be your online presence. It could be your operations. So me and my partner, Callan, now we're, we came here a day early to do our annual goals for 2024. And what we're, what our vision is for Big Storage Ventures, which is our company, is we don't wanna be the people that have a competitive advantage because of the moving company. We wanna have a competitive advantage because of how we operate, yes. right? Our storage business has to outpace the moving business just with the nature of it. And so right now we're creating operations, property management, asset management, these things that we can do to have a competitive advantage. So I don't want people to tune out or even think that they need to start a moving company. You yeah. can, you could even leverage if you don't want to, you know, online operations, this thing I said, but you could even leverage other people's moving companies. 100%. You can leverage U-Haul. There's other ways you can do it and you just have to be creative. You know, it's it. And this is really important because when we first got started, our competitive advantage was, it, 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 it's laughable that it was so simple, but it's true. We would go into markets and we'd have poor operators. And all, what we said is our competitive advantage is we will be the best operators. And here's what that meant. That, that meant that we would answer the phone. We would make people pay their bills and we would let people know we were there. 
And by that, I meant we had a nice sign out front. It wasn't like some in-depth marketing area. That was it, everybody. That was literally when we got started with small facilities. It was like, if we could just do that, we have a competitive advantage. And that worked starting out. Then what formed from that idea is we wanted to be the best operators. Then we started to move into places. We started to build out a company and all of the things around it that just emphasized those things. So now people look and they say, we're like, our competitive advantage is our operations, right? Well, that makes sense, AJ, because you have asset management, you have a tech company, you have, you know, 60 plus employees that do this. You've got, you know, all of a sudden, and I'm like, that's not, that's still the same competitive advantage we had when it was just like, answer the phone. Yes. And um, so you're right. And how you pick competitive advantages could even be as simple as I know this market and other people don't. Yeah. And that is actually real, right? And a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, so the key is what we're both talking about here is how do you make it work? Because notice you even talked about, okay, well, we have an opportunity that's a conversion. Well, that was a different than totally different than your first one you did. Yes. Right? And you learned from it and said, oh, now we're going to do another one, but we're going to do it different because this one had so many things going on that we had to figure out. So when you went on to your next one, what was it that you learned and what are you trying to do now on your next conversion? So on our next conversion, one, we're going a lot smaller. It's just a 5,000 square foot warehouse yeah. and it's simpler, right? And, and I think that's the reason why we're even doing it is because it truly is that blank slate, blank slate half price construction that you're looking for in a conversion. You need to really work with builders and people before you close on a conversion and really determine, is this truly half price, right? Because yeah. this, this one we're doing is truly half price. It's 5,000 square feet. It's going to be a screaming deal. Not half priced on marked up and then, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But this, this, uh, the first one we did, it's not, it's the same cost as building new really. And so, that's something that we're gonna overcome. Like we have, we have our margin of stupidity. We have outs. We have the demand. So we're we're in a good spot. But it's definitely something we've learned from. Yeah. When you guys are looking at property management software for your storage facilities, there's a ton of options out there, but no other option compares to Tenant Inc. Tenant Inc. is going to be your one-stop shop solution that has an amazing amount of tools that you can deploy at your fingertips to maximize the value of your facility. They have an open API where you can back in almost anything you want. You own your data, and it's just an incredible solution. I can't say enough good things about these guys. Link is in the show notes. Be sure to check out Tenant Inc. And you brought up a good point. When you're doing a conversion, everybody, that doesn't just mean it's cheaper. Right. Um, and in fact, not at all. Uh, many times it can be more expensive. And I then people say, well, why would you do that? Well, one of the reasons why is location. Yes. I couldn't have gotten it anyways, right? Like, you know, even though it, 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 that our office building, our statesman deal, it just happens that we got it not half price, but, you know, <laughs> less than half price off 40% of the cost or whatnot for the actual cost to even buy it and everything. But really the benefit is the location. The city's not going to let you build. It's five acres on the last exit into downtown. Wow. That's yeah. the, that's the advantage, right? Yes. The cost was our entry to it, but it's like, that's not replaceable. doesn't even exist. You can't even get it. Right. So a lot of times um, you're trying to find deals and make deals or, or, or find a deal, but most of the time you gotta make a deal work. Yes. So, all right, well, we can do this. 
at half cost, we can do it smaller and we have a nice big margin. All right, well, we don't have that. We're going to do it bigger, right? We're going to get a good margin on our operationals and we have a good location, even though it costs us the same as a new build or a little more, right? So it's all these levers that you're trying to pull. What you don't want is, all right, it costs too much. We time the market bad. We don't have operations, right? It doesn't, it can be one or two things. There's plenty of people that have built huge storage companies. They don't even know how to operate, <laughs> right? Their only benefit is I can either get capital or I can find deals, right? And that's it. They have one, one competitive advantage and they can build an entire company off of it. Right. And I, I like that you pointed out that you guys stay nimble. Like you guys are a big company now, but I know from hearing you speak about your deals, you guys roll with the punches just like anybody else does. Absolutely. And I think people that get too stuck on what they originally want to do. Like if I was to say, nope, we're building the 90,000 square feet because the bank will let us, that would be a big mistake. But you have to have that humility that never get too high. Also never get too low either because you don't want to shake up your confidence. You have to stay very level-headed as a storage investor. And you have to stay in that athletic stance ready to go any way you need to go because you're looking out for your partners and team. Yeah, the, the perfect example of that is our surprise deal. The market, when we entered, told us these types of units would work. Yeah. Obviously, everybody knows in the last year the market shifted. And we were like at a final stage and everything, and I go, we're redoing the whole design. We're changing buildings, I remember that. units, everything in the, in the final hours. And we had to go through a complete redesign, everything else, because we're like, we are going to do what the market wants, the market's changing, we gotta be competitive. We dropped it from three stories to one and we offered different product types. And you're right, you have to be nimble. Yeah. You have to change because in storage and all real estate investing, you know, things pop up that you never would have saw. It, it, that's how it works. And you're there to fill market demand and make it work. Now, have you done any just normal acquisitions? Yeah. So let's talk about those. Those are, they're more simple, right? And so, yes, on our construction and on, on our conversions, you have a maybe higher 10-year ceiling. But on your acquisitions, you know, it's less risk, very easy decisions when you can get one under contract. Um, we just had two that are both really fun. We had a Salt Lake deal that we, it was brought to us by a wholesaler. Now we love our wholesalers. If you, if you're out there, send us a wholesale deal, but this particular wholesaler, they, uh, got themselves in some legal trouble basically in the meantime. So we were under contract, the deal fell out and we actually had to go to the sellers to work with them directly after the, this, the wholesaler basically said to avoid legal issues, we're, we're going to dismiss ourselves and bow out. So we had, we could have either had a lawsuit with the seller on our hands or what we ended up doing was a partnership. So this one, we basically said, okay, you guys don't want to sell anymore. We want to transact. We've been under contract. We have the right to this. Let's find a middle ground. What ended up happening is I took these sellers to breakfast and I said, look, like to avoid what we, neither of us want to happen, which is a lawsuit, let's be partners. And what ended up happening was we're 50, 50 partners. And since they owned that facility with no debt, the bank gave it to us with no money down. So we just got 50% ownership of a facility with $0 down. And it's probably my favorite way to do a storage yeah. deal. That's amazing. Yeah. And I love that you were nimble. 
you're like, we're gonna, <laughs> we're in a bad situation. Let's change this into an opportunity. And uh, that is like a home run. It's I a mean, home run. And you solved everybody's problem too. And I think part of it was just that we were in the game, right? Like I think we do so much in spreadsheets and we do so much prep yes. work, but the fact that like, honestly, I'm not smart enough to go out and just find $0 down deals. Yeah. It's not who I am, but I'm hustling. I'm trying to work with people and I have the soft skills to go to that seller and find a solution. So I think it gives hope to maybe some of the listeners that they're not those brainiacs in the spreadsheets. Like you can still hunt deals if you just have a regular IQ. You don't have to be no. the genius. No, you have to be you have to be sharp and you have to have those soft skills to run a business and negotiate and work with people. Yeah, that's the thing that a lot of people in real estate forget. This is a people's game. And I think a lot of people view real estate, oh, I'm not dealing with people because the real estate's the product, it's the asset, everything else. And that's not how it works, right? Sellers are people. They have things that they're trying to accomplish. And a lot of times, the people that win, and we did really, really well on this. This was a big piece of what we would do, where we'd build a relationship with the seller. We would go meet with them. We would, yeah. And it was like that little extra, first of all, it allowed us to understand the sellers, what they were trying to accomplish. Um, and it allowed us to present solutions to their problems and offers, but it built confidence in us and it built a relationship. So we were winning deals yeah. as opposed to the people that sent out 10 LOIs, right? And just sent them out to 10 deals and we're going to see which one they got. Um, we were the ones that, that came out of that. And that also created a great uh, foundation for if anything happened during the time before close, we would just work with the sellers and the sellers have always been great to work with. So that is something that just can't be understated. Um, and if you're a good people person, you can get a lot of deals done. Educate your, if you're, if you find an on market deal, we just had, has had this happen. Educate the agent on why you're trying to meet the seller. Don't let them feel like they have to be the middleman. Just say, look, we need you for pa we need you for the paperwork and we need you for the details, but we have got to take these sellers to lunch. We've got to meet them in person if you want your commission and, and build trust with them. So they're not trying to keep a wall between you and the seller. Yes. The, the more FaceTime you can have, the more likely you are to get the deal. 100%. Um, and especially guys in today, because we, it, we used to have a, period where especially you know over the last four years where most of the sellers that were coming to the table were simply selling because they knew they could get this astronomical price right that their asset was actually not even worth it so that's why they were selling because they're like it's not worth this i'll sell it so you know if someone's gonna pay me it i guess i'll sell it where that's a total market inefficiency and we're not there today we're back to yeah. normal markets where the seller needs to sell there's something going on. There's a reason they're selling for a purpose. I'm retiring. I don't have the energy to do this. I want to give money to my kids. I want to travel. It doesn't even matter. It's just whatever in their life is. So you're now working with individuals that either have problems, they're trying to accomplish something uh, as opposed to price being the main driver. Yeah. It's really easy to get lots of deals when you just pay above and those types of sellers sell to it. Right now, I think the fear of sellers is that you're gonna go through the motions and then drop out. Yeah, That's what most brokers that I hear 
and sellers are we want somebody that'll actually close. We don't want to go through this again. Brokers are very paranoid about it because it takes them so long to get that seller to the table and agree. And they know that if that deal falls out, that the odds of them even relisting it or getting sold just plummet because the seller's like, I'm not doing this. So when you build a relationship, that's what you're doing. Yes. It's that trust. I mean, we had sellers that sold to us for 500,000 less than other offers. Why? Because they go, you'll close. Yeah. We know you, we know what you're doing. And that that's a, a winning strategy for deal flow. Love it. Now, talk to me how you integrate your moving company. Have you integrated it in all of them? Is that something you plan on doing or? So right now, our move, all, all five of our properties are on I-15 in Utah. And so that's where our moving company operates. So we, we are trying to hammer these markets where our moving company already operates and then maybe, you know, some peripheral markets. Um, but our goal, you know, so for the next, you know, level two, we want to get these markets down. But then we, like I said, we want our storage facilities to outpace the, the moving company. We cannot grow our moving company as fast as we can a storage business. So what do you like about the storage business as opposed to the moving company? Well, it's scalable, right? Because your team with the moving company, the quality of the customer experience requires so many people, so much attention, so much uh, attention to detail and training that you can only grow so fast at a healthy pace. Where with storage, you can grow as fast as you want at a healthy pace. It's just however, however good your systems are, you can just run wild. And so I love storage for that reason. It's a great it's a great scalable, obviously the, the real estate benefits we all know, but I love that it's something that you can, once you get systems and processes, you can go as wild as you want with it. Yeah, I like, love that. It was the same reason why, you know, I went out of insurance did, right. because the same thing, I was like, this isn't scalable. Yeah. I was like, insurance brokerage, I'm like, I, I don't even know how to do this. We don't know the revenue. We're always either losing clients, running after it, it, the only assets we had were people. If they quit, it was it was yeah. just daunting. I'm like, I don't know how to take this business and going forward. And the risk associated was with so much. And you could take and apply those same business skills into storage. And yeah, our goal for our moving company is to grow by 30%, which is actually a super big stretch goal um, for us. And our goal for our storage company is to grow by 100%. And I feel like that's not even as big of a stretch. Yeah. So that's a little bit of insight as to the different trajectories that a service business versus a real estate business can go on. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, what is your mode of finding deals? So how do you find deals? Um, we love wholesalers. We, we have, we're just getting into the VAs, but honestly, the best way we've found deals is relationships because we're, we're trying to find in the markets that we live in. So social media found us probably our best deal. Someone just uh, saw us on video in front of storage units a couple days in a row and thought, hey, I know someone with a storage facility. I'm going to reach out and see if that'd be a good fit for them to transact. Um, so you can't underestimate social media, wholesalers. We're still working on our cold calling. Most of our deals come from just relationships with brokers and negotiating. Dude, that's that's awesome. I, I think people vastly underestimate the organic part. Yeah. Um, we put too much emphasis on extreme strategies that you read in a book or, you know, and at the end of the day, for most people, especially starting out, those aren't, those aren't your advantages, like organically talking with people, meeting people, that's where that 
is going to really transpire. Now, if you're buying, you know, tons of deals all the time, you may go, well, that's not, you know, that's not doable, right? But that's most people aren't out there trying to build buy 20 storage deals, 100 million of assets a year, right? That's not how it works. If I could buy one, two, or even three a year, that's rock star, right? At first, right? And at first, we, we're, we're, we're going to end up scaling. And that's, that's why we're here at the conference getting our training is like, how can we blow this up bigger than what we're doing? But for now, while we're just trying to nail down these markets, it's, it's as good as anything just to meet people to, um, you know, do the, the foot traffic work and, uh, go, go build some relationships. And if nothing else, you know, they know who we even talk to people like, Hey, if you don't want to sell, come in on our next deal. If you're still in growth mode, yeah. right. You're just trying to build that community that you guys have done so well up here and make connections with those. So they think of you when it's time. Absolutely. Well, dude, this has been tremendous value. You have so much going on. You have so much value to give. I love how you've looked at deals, how you've done ones that maybe other people wouldn't do and what you're trying to build out here. Where can people go to find more about you, follow you, learn from you? Yeah, reach out. Our, our page is Big Storage Ventures. We're, we're on top of our DMs and we'd love to connect with anyone in the industry or anyone that, like I'm still at that point. It's just fun for me to get on and talk to people. Like if, you, if, you're, if you're new to the game and you just wanna get some tips, like I have enough bandwidth. It's fun enough for me that just reach out. Uh, Big Storage Ventures or Ben Gopperson is our page and we'd love to connect. Dude, thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. And we can't wait to see just your absolute growth because you're in huge growth mode and uh, we're going to have you back on and you're going to double your portfolio <laughs> in no time. So appreciate it, man. Thanks, coach. See you soon.